I don't think I've ever met a Christian anywhere in any state or city who was not interested in a deeper and more personal relationship with God. Is there any chance I'm going to meet someone like that here this week? Is there anybody who's going to say, you know, I think the relationship between me and God is just about as close as it ever needs to be. Nobody's ever said that. We always yearn to feel closer to our God. We want to experience fellowship with the Lord. We want to know that He is near in the room. We're in pursuit of that, and it's a great pursuit. It's a lifelong pursuit and a good one. Now, as I mentioned to you earlier in the week, I was raised in the church, so I know how you get it. Been taught that since I was really little. If you're interested in a closer relationship with the Lord, you get it in the same way you get a closer relationship with anybody, through communication. If you communicate well with God, then things grow in your life, and I'm really clear on how that communication works, aren't you? You speak to the person. And you listen as the person speaks to you. So translation, if you want a deeper, more personal relationship with God, you need to read the Bible, that's hearing from the Lord, and pray, speaking to Him in return. Now we're going to address a little bit of that tonight and some of the inner workings of that, but I am not here to overturn that apple cart. That is still the number one single best way you will realize the presence of the Lord in your life is through communication, Bible study, and prayer. No doubt about it. But I think we understand that you must also do it well. You know, you can communicate with someone, but not communicate well. Some of us are married, and we know what that looks like. You can communicate, but if it's not done effectively, then communication can actually cause division, which is really strange. It's supposed to do the opposite of that. And what I want you to think about as we get started tonight is, yes, that's the way we communicate with God, but we need to do it well in order for it to work. So, for instance, we'll be talking about prayer, but let me start by talking to you about the other part of it, Bible study. We all know that there's a difference between good Bible study and not so good Bible study. Here's a guy at our church that says, Chris, it's February the 21st. I've been doing my five-day Bible reading program since January the 1st. I've checked every box. I'm moving right along. And Chris, I don't feel closer to God at all. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, and it's not working. All right, tell me a little bit about how you're reading the Bible. Oh, well, you know... No. Tell me how. Well, at my lunch break, when there's a bunch of guys hanging around, I'll throw it open and read a few verses. In the evening when I get home, somewhere around the kids kind of messing around, and during a commercial between my favorite TV show, I'll pause it and I'll read a little more. And then, you know, at night in bed, just as I'm passing out, I usually am able to finish that last bit of the reading, check that all-important little box, and fall asleep. Anybody know why it's not working? That is terrible Bible reading. Yes, there's such a thing. It's distracted. It's, it's unemotional. It's not motivational. And it's not getting a chance to work. So what do you tell the guy? You say, you're definitely on the right track. You want to keep Bible reading. There's no doubt about that. Check boxes or not. It's up to you. But you need to do it well. How about get up a little bit early in the morning when it's quiet? And there's nothing else going on. 
Pray first, then open to the Word, and don't worry about how far you cover. Just read the Word, and when you're done, meditate upon it. Think about what it's showing you about God, and think about what it's challenging you to do, and then think about how you can use that all day long, and then take the Word into your life, and get back with me on March 21st. Will he experience a difference? He will experience all of the difference. Bible reading is great, but we need to Bible read well. Well, I think we knew that. I don't think I surprised anybody with that information. You want to study the right way and study for the right purpose. But I think sometimes when it comes to the other end of the spectrum, the thing we'll be talking about tonight, prayer, we kind of forget that. That there's a difference between praying well and praying not so well. Sometimes I think we feel like we can just throw words up at heaven every once in a while. You had a red light, throw a few words up at heaven. Going through a little something at work, toss a syllable or two up towards heaven. We pray a little bit here. There's tacos on the table. Say something to God. There's tacos on the table. And we just sort of throw prayer around and we wonder why when we come out of that prayer, we're not feeling anything or the presence of God. Now, short prayers are fine. We're not talking about that. But you guys know what great prayers feel like, right? By the way, some of the men who lead prayers in these assemblies have led some amazingly emotional and powerful prayers. I don't know who you are because you're in the back with a microphone or something. But that was excellent tonight. You know what a good prayer feels like, right? We usually do it when we're going through a little something during the day. And we go to God in prayer and it feels like you're carrying this enormous bucket filled with dirty water. And your fingers are just about to pull apart and it's going to spill all over everything. And you just barely get to the throne of God and kneel down before Him and you pour out all of the water at His feet. And when you're finished with the prayer, you pick the bucket back up. It's completely refilled to the top with pure, clean, cool water. And it feels as light as a feather. And you walk away filled up, renewed and replenished. That's a great prayer. But I had to acknowledge and admit that I was at about a 10% success rate on that. I'm just being personal with you on what this study's about. Why we're, why we're having this study tonight is a product of me thinking, I experienced that, but it seems like nine times I come out of prayer and I don't get anything out of it. And every once in a while, something really powerful and helpful happens. So I started exploring maybe what that is and how that happens. And what I'd like to do tonight for a few minutes, I told AJ I'd preach 35 minutes tonight. AJ smirked, I smirked, we went on. I want to share with you a few findings. And I want to begin in Romans chapter 8. There is some good news. When it comes to prayer, some of us might be thinking we're just not really good at it. We don't know what to say and we don't know how to say it. Well, that's kind of what the Bible says about us. So there's some great news. And the great news is we have a helper. There is someone living and active who assists us on a level that goes beyond what we can see and understand in a vital prayer life. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, I first would like to read verses 24 and 25 where it talks about hope. I think that will set up the next verses nicely. Look in Romans 8 verse 24. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we eagerly wait for it. Hope you cannot see, but you know when it's there, right? 
I cannot pick up and hold hope and say, there's that hope, that really made the day better. But I experience the action of hope, though I can't point to it. I think he sets up a study of the Holy Spirit with that example. The Holy Spirit's like hope. In verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. The Holy Spirit, like hope, effective but not visible. We don't know what words to use. Somehow, in some way, the Holy Spirit assists us in that. You're going to see more of that in a minute. We don't know how to say it, what emotion to put behind it. So the Holy Spirit provides you actually an emotional checklist so that those prayers can be effective before God. We'll talk about that before we're done tonight as well. The Spirit is working on our, on our behalf because He is in such perfect fellowship with God. That when we pray along the lines of His will, we get to be in fellowship with God also. So if we're going to pray well, let me put it this way. You're going to need the Holy Spirit. Without His work, it won't work. So I started wondering, well, what's the Holy Spirit doing? Is in about 10% of my prayers, the Holy Spirit is, is on duty, I guess? Because I pray and I say things and I understand things and I come out with this full bucket of light, beautiful water. And then the rest of the times, the Holy Spirit just, I don't know, taking a break. But then I realize what's pretty obvious. It's up to me to align myself with the Holy Spirit in prayer. He's always ready. The question is, am I utilizing him in my prayer life. So that brings us to the pivotal verse. And this is the one that really helped me the most. And it will serve as sort of our hub for what we're doing tonight. I need you to have your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. The phrase that you see behind me is a phrase that we will explore. Its definition is important and it's useful. In Ephesians chapter 6, you know the context. You back up to verses 10 through 12. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle, verse 12, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the powers and the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. In other words, you can't even see all the enemies on the field. It's spiritual. It goes beyond the eye, the battle that we're fighting. So we're going to need somebody fighting for us who can see those enemies. So what we're told is we can be strong. You don't have to drift. How do we be strong? Well, the armor of God, right? Which is basically, in a sense, Bible study, reading and learning. But then you get to chapter 6, verse 18. It's not just the Bible study. It's not just putting on the Word of God. It's also prayer. With all Prayer and petition. Pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So let me see if I can make this really, really simple. When you pray in the Spirit, it will make a difference in your life. And when you pray not 
in the spirit, it's a waste of time and energy. Is that clear enough? You pray in the spirit, it changes things. Everything we just read in Romans 8 engages. The intercessor engages. The emotions are placed where they ought to be. The words are polished perfectly for the courts of heaven when we pray in the Spirit. So our big question for tonight is pretty simple. What in the world does it mean to pray in the Spirit? That's our big question. I think maybe I figured at least a part of it out. And I'm just here to tell you that I pray differently now. It's different. It's better. It helps. And I hope that this will help you tonight as well. Let me just say thanks. Glad that you're here tonight. We've got a good crowd tonight. Got some Edward Lake folks here tonight. Glad to see you. Got folks who are fighting hard to be a part of this. And I'm prayerful that what we're doing tonight, and I think we'll come back tomorrow night as well, a little audible in the material tomorrow night. I want to talk to you a little bit more about prayer. We're going to cover the spirit angle tonight. Tomorrow night, maybe more the practical angle. Prayer has been an enormous part of my family, specifically in the last four days. Most of you know about my father-in-law and his accident and the prayers that I've heard here that have mentioned him. You don't even know what that means. You can't. It means so much. The prayers from people across this country, the prayers at his bedside all throughout just about every single day. If we do it well, we are guaranteed the benefit of this working of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit. What is that? Well, let me say this. I think I'm supposed to tell you that the Holy Spirit works today in one way. And what we need to do is look at the way that the Holy Spirit works today and sort of figure out how that relates to prayers. But I'm going to push the envelope a little bit, and I'm going to tell you that the Holy Spirit works in your life in two ways today. Did a conservative preacher just say that? Yes, he did. There are two very specific ways that the Holy Spirit is active in your life every day. So here's my thought. If he's active in our lives in a certain way, then he should be active in that same capacity in our prayer lives. Find out how he's active in our lives and then relate that directly to the way that we pray. So let's talk about this. How does the Spirit work in our lives today? Forget the prayer for a moment. What is He doing to affect your everyday? Well, you know the first answer. The first answer is through the revealed Word of God. When we read the Word of God, we hear the Spirit's teaching. This is the way that He moves people. This is where we learn information about heaven. We are in, He is inspiring us by the revelation of the will of God. That's how He works today. Now, let me just ask you, if you went into your Wednesday and you did not take the Word of God with you, I think I'm going to try to walk today without the Spirit. I'm not going to take Bible reading or Bible information, and hopefully when I get out there, I'm just going to find the Spirit during the day. How would that work out? That wouldn't work. You have to read the Word, hear from the Spirit, and then apply that to your life and the way that you live. What I'm suggesting to you tonight is that's exactly the way we ought to be praying. We need to use the Word of God and its content to shape the way we pray. You say, boy, the Spirit's going to give me words to say to God, Romans 8, that I don't even know about. Where am I going to find those words in the Word of God? 
He's going to convey to me the right way to address God, a God whom, whom I can't even describe. How will I find the words to say in the Word of God? If the Word is how we live by the Spirit, then the Word is how we ought to pray by the Spirit. Let me illustrate this for you. Are you in the book of Ephesians? There are two little prayers that Paul writes in the Ephesian letter, and I want to show them to you. In Ephesians chapter 1, let's begin there. I'm in Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm looking in verse 18. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version, and it supplies a few words in verse 18. It says, I pray that, reflecting the fact that this man is praying by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen carefully to these prayers. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I pray that. The eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. When's the last time you prayed like that? When's the last time... You bowed before God and your prayers were that your eyes and the eyes of everybody in your life you loved will be enlightened so that you can take in and begin to comprehend the hope of the calling, the riches of the glory, the inheritance of the saints and the surpassing greatness of his power. That's a prayer right there. That's the Holy Spirit telling us the kind of things we ought to be praying for, the spiritual things, the spiritual eye. The glorious blessings of God. You know, one of the things I discovered is my prayer life had gotten kind of remedial. You know, where I was kind of saying the same simple things, and they were largely kind of materialistic, not materialistic, but material things. And when it came to spiritual things, I'd say the same few things, like forgive me of my sins and God is great in things. But it had been a long time since I'd said anything like this. Open the eyes the hearts and souls of the people in my life so that they can comprehend your glory. He does it again in Ephesians chapter 3, please. Look in chapter 3, verse 14. It's expressed in this way. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Now watch what he does. What will I learn from the Spirit about how to pray from this short dissertation? From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that He would grant you, verse 16, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, verse 17, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now, that's a lot of information, actually. We probably need to go back through that syllable by syllable almost. That was an absolute concentration of spirituality that we just read. I feel like I, I got caught up with every phrase and forgot the one before it. And so it may need a lot of study, and we won't do that tonight. But this idea, verse 15, of not just a simple obvious every time, dear Heavenly Father, but you from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. He wanted people to be granted the strength that only the Spirit can provide and Christ in your hearts through faith. We could pray for a week 
every day just taking sentences or portions of sentences from that read. What's the Holy Spirit doing? He's showing us how to pray. He's showing us what matters and what it sounds like. You know, it was really interesting. Love Bob's read from 1 Chronicles 29 tonight. I have uh, three ribbons in my Bible here. And I needed two ribbons for the New Testament tonight. So I had that third ribbon and I just kind of threw it to the back, you know, got rid of it. And I left it back there and he said, I'd like to read in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And I went, whoa. I actually marked it just before you said it. That's the spirit. No, thanks. Let's not get over it. I'll tell you what is the spirit. The content on that page is the spirit, folks. He read it. I want to look at it again. Excellent selection. How should I talk to God tonight? I I feel like I say some of the same things over and over, and I want to somehow tell him what he means to me, and I'm having a really difficult time finding the words. I don't know if anybody in the room's ever felt that way. I feel that way a lot. And there's there's actually a chemical reason for that. There's a logic portion of the brain and an emotion portion of the brain, and they they don't talk very much. There's a breakdown between how I feel and how I can articulate how I feel. And there's some examples to prove that. But you know what I can do? I can go to David. Near the very end of his life, after he had been through a great many things. Highs and lows, ups and downs. Problems of his own device, some of them. And I can hear that man in chapter 29 of 1 Chronicles and verse 10 say this. Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. And let me just tell you guys, I'm not afraid to absolutely steal this stuff. There's a pretty good chance, because I haven't seen this verse in a really long time, Bob. There's a pretty good chance that before I go to bed tonight, I'm going to open my Bible and bow my head and say, Blessed are you, O Lord God of your people. Our Father forever and ever, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and on earth, yours is the dominion or kingdom, O Lord. And you have exalted yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. And in your hand is power and might and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you. Or I would probably pray tonight, I thank you and praise your glorious name. I'm just not smart enough to come up with that stuff. The Spirit gives us the words to say. We could look at so many tonight. Hannah. I studied Hannah the other day. I did a a series on my children's names. Uh, That's kind of cheap, but it worked. I knew what to do every Monday. I started with Hannah and did a sermon on Hannah and then Luke and then Nicholas, Nicholas, Acts 6, proselyte from Antioch. And Ella's middle name was Faith and, you know, there was no Cinderella in the the Bible. But it started with Hannah and her prayers. How How do you pray when you're hurting? How do you do it? What do you say? Go read in 1 Samuel about Hannah. She was... Emotional. She was specific. She asked God for exactly the thing that was hurting her. And she made a very specific promise. God, if you will do this for me, I promise that I will give it all back to you, Samuel, her son. And she prayed. And it said that after she was done praying, she went and she worshipped. The load was lifted even before the promise was fulfilled or the blessings came. 
Afterwards, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, she prays again, and it's even more beautiful. Now she's praising God for blessing her and filling her life with good things like you have, like I have. You want to know how to pray? Go read about Hannah. Let me show you one more. What about Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6, the Lord effectively sits down on the side of a mountain and says, let me show you how to pray. If we're struggling with help, the Holy Spirit preserve through time the words of the Messiah and direct teaching in Matthew chapter 6 about in, in about verse 5 about the motives behind prayer and some of those other things. But in the middle we have what we call the Lord's Prayer. That's the Holy Spirit guiding you in words to God, or at least in principles. The prayer goes like this, verse 9. Our Father who is in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then I have this in this particular version, this portion at the end. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You want the Spirit to guide your prayers? Look no further. Then the Spirit's preservation of the words of Jesus. What do we learn about prayer here? We learn in verse 9 to be creative when we address Him. To use terms that express who he, who he is. Our Father, that's who you are. Who is in heaven, that's where you are. Hallowed be your name. That's how great you are. He addresses God's majesty with adjectives and descriptions. The middle verse, whatever you think on your kingdom come, and whether that's prayable today or not, is immaterial to the point. The point in verse 10 is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, rule my life. Rule it. I want your will to be done and your dominion to live in me every day. What a wonderful way to start the day. Let your will live in me. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. That's the hardest thing you'll ever pray, by the way. Be careful with that one. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Raise your hand if you want that. I knew you wouldn't raise your hand, so I I helped you succeed. That's a tough one. But that's the way God's people pray. I call this the SSPS template for prayer. Can you figure that out? SSPS. It starts with something spiritual about God's glory. It follows with something spiritual, God's power. There is one short line about something physical. That's where you mix in, keep us healthy, and watch out for us today, and thank you for our blessings. And it returns instantly to what? More spiritual words. Forgiveness. And it does not end with, and I'm personally incriminating myself here. It does not end with, are you ready for this? In Jesus' name, pray amen. Did you get that? Let me do it slower. I found myself guilty of ending my prayers with the quickest rendition of in Jesus' name we pray amen you've ever heard. It was one word. Look at how he ends it. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can say in Jesus' name we pray, amen, but say it, brethren. Share it. Believe in it. Articulate it. So what's our point? Two points tonight. Here's the first one. The first one is, 
When we pray in the Spirit, it's the same as living in the Spirit. You've got to take the Word with you. If you don't take the Word or the instructions of the Word, you're not living in the Spirit, and you'll find failure out there. But when you take the Word, you win. I'm just saying that we ought to do that in our prayers as well. Praying through the Bible would be an excellent exercise for every child of God. Okay. Well, you knew all that already. What's this other thing the preacher's about to tell us? The Holy Spirit works today in two ways. The first one is through the simple revelation of the Word of God. What is the second thing? Open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5, please. Galatians, the fifth chapter. This is certainly related, this second thing, and in that way they kind of merge together. But I would argue that the Holy Spirit works today in two ways. One, the Word in us and through our character. He influences the world. The Spirit works through His fruit living in us. We all know that song, You are the only Bible this careless world will read. You are the sinner's gospel. And they're, they're in more lyrics. The Spirit is working on you through the revelation. And then as His, his qualities live in you, not Him directly living in you, you know that's not what I'm saying. When His qualities live through you, He's influencing the world by your behavior. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Galatians chapter 5, what we started studying yesterday. We are nourished and affected by the Spirit. Let me show you something. Look in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. We talked about this yesterday with the flesh and the Spirit and the battle that's going on. And it says, walk by the Spirit... And you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. That's a great promise. Now, what does he mean by walk by the Spirit? Well, that brings us down to the verses we know pretty well. Verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is nine things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Now let me see if I can understand the point here, independent of prayer. Let's just talk about the way you live by the Spirit. You take with you the qualities of the Spirit, and that's how you live. Let me just ask you this. If you got up tomorrow morning, and you walked out the door... And you did not take love with you. I'm not taking love today. Love staying home. I don't love anybody or anything. I'm not taking love with me today, but I'm pretty sure that by the time the day's over, somewhere out there, I'll just find it and it'll fill me up. What are the odds of that? I don't know. We had some pretty great shrimp today at that restaurant. That filled me up a little bit. Not very good. If you take nothing, you get nothing. I think I'm going to get out on those roadways tomorrow and I'm not going to take patience with me. I'm going to try it without patience. I don't need that in me. I'm pretty sure that by the time I get to downtown, downtown Birmingham to Lightfoot... I forgot. I saw your office today, but I forgot the other names. I will find patience somewhere out there on the highway. How would that work? It won't work. You have to leave the house with the fruit of the Spirit in you already. You've got to take love with you. Take patience with you. Take peace. And if you do that, it's kind of like 
holding that bucket, God says, I can do some pretty amazing things with that bucket, but you have to bring me something to work with. All I'm suggesting, one really simple idea is all that's left for you to consider tonight, is that we need to do the same with our prayer lives. I found myself going to prayer really quickly, not really preparing myself, just going to prayer with no love, hoping that by the time I got to Jesus' name we pray, amen, that I would find love, and I wasn't finding it. I would go to prayer in prayer impatient and flustered, and so I go to God in prayer, and I think, well, I'll come out with patience, but I didn't. I didn't come out with anything. And I started wondering, why isn't this working? What am I doing wrong? Why isn't the Spirit helping me? And you know what the Spirit would say if He was standing in front of me? He would say, I gave you nine qualities from me that you could have taken into those prayers. And we could have done amazing things with it. I need to take these qualities into prayer and let God do His work. So I tried this out about three years ago. I decided that I was going to offer ten prayers in a day. I was at about a three and a half prayer average. You know, you count those halves when you fall asleep. But I was going to beef it up and go big. Ten prayers. But they were going to be different than the prayers that I'd offered previously. I was studying this idea, understanding the fruit, wanted to take it into my prayer life. So when I woke up that morning, before I got out of bed, I thought about love and what love is and how much God loves me and what love there is in my life. And my two-year-old, he was two then, Nicholas, he was sleeping on the floor right there. And he was still sleeping. There was kind of some drool stuff going on. And I looked at that little drooling monkey. I thought about how much I loved him. And then I looked over at my wife, and she, was, she looked great. She looked great. There we go. Welcome. I hadn't even prayed yet, and I felt it. And then I offered a prayer of love to God. It felt like the first time I'd ever prayed about it. Got out of bed, went into the restroom, the bathroom, brushing my teeth. And I just kind of smiled. Because I have a lot to smile about. I, maybe other people have more things to smile about than me, but I've got a lot of joy in my life. And I started thinking about all the things that bring me happiness, you know? And what's gone right instead of what's gone wrong. And how it feels to know that I'm a Christian. And then before I put the toothbrush down, before I walked away, I bowed my head and I offered a, a joy prayer. And then I sat down at breakfast and I handled this idea of peace. And I started breathing. I'm not going to get all, you know, breathing treatment on you, meditation, but breathing is very, very helpful. And I sat down at lunch and I took a deep, or breakfast, and I took a deep breath and I just breathed and stopped. I didn't think about everything on the calendar that day, everything that had to be done. I just thought about the peace that passes understanding what it means to be a Christian, I prayed for peace. Got in the car, started backing out. Before I backed out, I offered a patience prayer just in the nick of time because I pulled out of my neighborhood. And I don't know, I mean, we're in Alabama, but do you guys have that same guy we have? You guys know that guy? That's the, there's two lanes going that way and the speed limit's 60 and you're going about 48 and he's in the right lane and I'm trying to pull out and he is not getting over. Do you guys know that guy? What is that guy's name? Well, he's frustrated me a bunch of times, that guy, but not that day. I'd just come out of a prayer, and something really interesting happened when I got to patience, by the way. I started thinking about God's patience before my own, how patient God is with me, how long-suffering, 
And then I prayed. I went throughout the day, and you can see the rest of the list, and I worked my way through. And what I remembered most is on the way home that evening, it was a really long day, praying for self-control, thinking, yeah, I probably should have started there. Self-control is really important. It was a great day of faith. And since then, I've modified it a little bit. And I'm going to challenge you to do something in a minute, so hang with me here. But now I do it a little bit differently. I get up in the mornings where we live, and I go into our, our restroom, and there are tiles on the wall, just little dark-colored tiles. And every morning, I walk up to the tile and I count them off. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Every morning. And I step back and I kind of identify them and I pick one. Joy. And I put my hand on it. And I don't pray. I'm not ready. I don't have anything to take with me yet. Does that make sense? not ready. I think about what joy is and what joy means and what joy I have and the joys of God and the joys of godliness. And then I pray every day. I'm encouraging you to do that. If we live by the Spirit, verse 25, let us walk by the Spirit. If we walk by the Spirit, let us pray by the Spirit. So what I'd like to do, open your Bibles back to Ephesians 6. We're going to finish there in just a moment. I need to invite you on a short exercise with me. Let's do this together. An opportunity for us to let the Spirit engage in us through His quality and then take that engaging to the throne of God. That's the principle. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I hope that your, in fact, if your Bibles are still open to Galatians, that'd be great, but I put it up here so we should be fine. I just want you to look up on the board behind me and pick one, just one. Pick one. Maybe the one you think that you need. If you picked one last night to fight something else, pick a different one tonight. Don't pray. Preachers tell you that all the time, right? Don't pray. Don't pray yet. All I want you to do for the next few seconds is I want you to define the meaning of that word. What does that word mean? Describe it. What does it look like? How does it behave? That is your word for tonight. Once you feel like you know exactly what you're dealing with. I want you to turn your attention to God. Don't pray, not yet. I want you to think about that word and define for yourself, what does that quality look like in my God? How has my God shown self-control? What elements of God are love and what does that love look like? I'll, I'll pause and stop talking, I'm interrupting you. Assign that value to your Lord. Okay? Now let's turn inward. That quality lives in God, that's for sure. But how does that quality live in you? How would the Spirit influence you throughout the day tomorrow if you were living this? How would you treat your spouse tonight? How would you attack the day tomorrow? What about that guy going 48 miles per hour? Identify it. What does this word look like in me? For the next 60 seconds, 
I'm going to be silent, and all I'm asking you to do is pray. Pray about that, what it is, how He has shown it to you, and what it means to let it live in your life. Let's bow together. Thank you for engaging in that. Sorry if I've interrupted you. But the idea isn't about a sermon or a night, is it? It's about an approach, and I'm encouraging you this week. Actually, I'll go a little further. You guys have been great. Followed along, tuned in. I'm challenging you to a nine-day exercise. Pick something in the morning. Let the Spirit do its work. Give Him something to work with. God is amazing with materials. We take it to Him. We know exactly what to say. And if you still find that you don't know exactly how that ought to be worded, remember our first point. The Bible is filled with beautiful ways to share these things with God. Wouldn't it be great if our approach to prayer spurred word studies and Bible study? That's two things working beautifully together. You're back in Ephesians 6, and we're closing the lesson. We started Sunday with this idea that there's this sense of drifting that can happen. Uh, The devil tempts us, and he can't pull us away from God. It's a slow fade, but we would have to give ourselves away. But it happens, and some people, maybe even here tonight, have, have found that occurring. And what is happening is what you saw in verse 12, this struggle between flesh and blood. And in the spiritual world, the devil is doing everything he can. But we have an assurance, verse 10, that we can be strong. We do not have to drift. Last night's lesson, you can win. You can win. But you're going to need to communicate with God. And that's what this whole chapter is about. It's about listening to God by putting on the armor. And just as significant, verse 18 is this. With all, not some, but all. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with perseverance and petition. I'll give you a guarantee. The devil does not stand a chance against a child of God who gets up in the morning and is fueled by the reading of Scripture, finds the emotion of the Spirit and pours it out before God and walks out the door in joy and peace and fervor. Victory is ours. But everything we've talked about tonight, everything, is only for the person in fellowship with God. If we're on the outside looking in and we aren't Christians, that means that we can't be connected to God. And the only thing that makes prayers work is the connection to God and the Spirit's work. Do you want the Spirit working for you? You must be a Christian. You must be born again. If you feel like laying sin aside in your life is this huge obstacle that needs to be moved out of the way so you can get to the throne of God and you need our encouragement, we will help in that. And if you're not a Christian so that you cannot enter his courts, but you want to, you can be baptized in water 
for the forgiveness of your sins, and you can be added to the body of Christ. We can help you. We will pray for you as together we stand and sing.